Hello, and welcome to A Night with the Dark Knight, the show that takes a look at Batman through the ages, for better or for worse. With your dynamic duo, Aidan Gula. And me, George Ellis. And in today's episode, we will unfortunately be talking Batman Forever. Yeah. You know, when I said, let's watch Batman Forever, I thought, it'll be a fun romp. Maybe it won't be as bad as I thought it was. It'll just be something nice, kind of EDW style. We kind of, we can big it up a bit, you know? Mm. I finished watching that today, and I hated every moment of it. Part of the reason we're doing it is because we'd be like, Batman Forever's got a bad rap. So let's, you know, give it a uh, give it a second chance. Yeah. Why did we do that? This was so much worse than I remember it being. This was probably the worst idea I've ever had for... So for A Night with the Dark Knight, I've tried to pick stuff that's good. I shouldn't have picked this. I shouldn't have picked this. I'm so sorry, Aiden. But it's like some things that I loved as a, I loved this film when I was a kid like absolutely loved it I think that I, I think I probably preferred this to Batman 1989 when I was a kid so I thought there's a lot of things I liked when I was a child that I watch now and you could still say they're bad but I enjoy them because I enjoyed yeah. them as a child this has not passed that test I think it's very, it's a very strange film. We'll get, we'll really lean into the Riddler later because my word, is he not the Riddler? No one's really themselves in this film. I don't think no. anyone's really bang on. It's strange. No. And usually, you know, on Extermination Doctor Who, a common theme we'd have is, even when the episode was bad, the Doctor kind of lifted it up. And a few times, even on this podcast so far, we've kind of gone, this isn't great like with justice league some things were like this isn't great but this kind of thing that batman did was kind of all kind of mm-hmm. all right there's no so i have one positive point about batman here that i actually prefer here to 1989 oh. but other than that nothing yeah it's no positives to this film if <laughs> or, much... or when there are positives they'll introduce something and i'll write a positive note about it and i go you know what i like that then the very next thing they do is awful Mm. and that's what carries on it's a very well balanced film in the sense that it will give you something semi-decent and then blow it up the next frame Mm. it's very good at doing that just uh, this reminds me so much when we do the edw ones and we're watching some of the jody era because all of my notes are just me saying what the hell is this what's going on here i mean my biggest section of notes here is the circus because we've delved into Robin a bit. I really do like Robin. I, 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 my notes on the circus here are just me getting very angry because <laughs> it's not at all what I want from Robin at all. For no, the, I mean, I mean, they gave him a brother. Yeah, but uh, I mean, just, I mean, it's strange. Of all places to begin, it's an odd place to begin this, but I wrote Robin's backstory with it being the two-face instead of tony zuko i thought that makes sense for this universe because we've already got two villains in this film do you want to throw another one in not really so i thought that i'm fine with that mm-hmm. yeah rest of the scene mind i'm batman shut up you shut up <laughs> shooting everywhere the family thought i was like no the bomb that had four seconds left and you rolled it off and it took about 10 seconds to then hit the ground, then hit the water and then blow up. I thought, right, just no, please just stop. I got an hour into this film. If that, no, I actually, it wasn't even an hour. I checked. I was 56 minutes into this film and I went, God, we must be wrapping up now. And I had an hour and five minutes left. And I was like, how is there possibly that much time left? The- Which is going to segue before what do you want to say before i segue i, I was going to say the final act is so much longer than the rest of the film it's like an hour long yes, for just that final it just goes act goes on forever but my segue was going to be is that there is a schumacher cut out there oh that does exist and now this is i think a good place to begin is the difference between this and what tim burton had planned there is a schumacher cut that exists out there that is 170 minutes long which is two hours 50 so an extra hour 
added on to this of stuff that was lost on the cutting room floor. Could that save it? I mean... Well, I think uh, this, is, this is where we're going to begin because obviously we've done Batman 18, 1989 and since you've watched Returns, I haven't watched mm-hmm. Returns since, but it's it's fine. It's not like it carries on, is it? And then uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so many things that they could have just gone, yeah, this is the same universe. Let's carry this on. They've just gone, nah, different universe. But kind of the same. Even as Alimo says, I never fell in love with anyone. Um, in Tim Burton's universe, you fell in love with two people consecutively. Yeah. Like mm. within a, two years of each other. Mm. His, his story Just... time, educational hour with, with Aiden. Lovely. So, do you remember when I told you not long ago that Warner Brothers on the new Robert Pattinson film apparently said about it, it's a bit dark, don't you think? Do you remember when I told you that? I do, yes. And I was angry because. Well, it turns out history repeats itself because that's exactly what they said about Batman Returns. They went, it's a bit dark, isn't it? And yeah, that film is dark by those standards. And I found out there was like, it was poorly received at the time. Batman Returns, not many people liked it. And there was, we never really get these anymore. I quite miss them. But when you get public, when you get public outrages and you get whole television shows dedicated to discussing either side of the debate. And it was that kind of sense of this film, ban this film, that kind of thing kicked off about Batman Returns. And it's all very corrupt, really, because it's all about merchandise and corporate things. And then McDonald's had to issue an apology because they made Happy Meals with Batman toys in and everybody was kicking off. And they were saying, well, this film isn't for kids. So McDonald's had to go, OK, we're sorry. And they had to put out an advert that was an apology. I was over wow. Batman, all over Batman Returns. So when they came to do Batman 3, based, this is not a word of a lie. Warner Brothers said, how do we make this McDonald's suitable? Their one, their one goal with this film was to make it suitable for McDonald's toys. Great. So when you look at this film from the perspective of it's a two-hour-long toy advert, you suddenly go, that, that tracks. But it's not just a toy advert. That's an advert for McDonald's toys, which are the worst of the worst toys. Yeah, but... And further merchandise. Yeah, I know, but that's... Yeah, there are going to be some people in Warner Brothers that understand it, some people that don't. But the thing when it comes to a lot of these live-action things from this track record is that the people who don't quite get the character, who are maybe more the marketing side for the toys and stuff, they get involved and kind of tip it the wrong way. Whereas if you maybe get the people who just know the character from the animation to maybe work on the films, like the live-action stuff, maybe that'd go better. It's very interesting. It's just um, mm. the uh, we will see what happens to Robert Pattinson's The Batman, and whether or not Warner Brothers' intervention was from either the the one side that get the character, or the other side that just think he's a bit too dark. We'll see. It was quite. Really, I thought it was really interesting to see how that's happening for this current film, and that's exactly what happened here. Because I was telling you, I think a way to come at this film really is by saying, was Batman 3 just inevitably doomed? Because all three versions that could have existed, you've got the Tim Burton version, you've got the Joel Macker original version, and then you've got what I'm going to call the Warner Brothers McDonald's version, which was the one that got released. All three sound atrocious. <laughs> like abysm- abysmally bad. So it's just like, was it just... Because obviously we know the version we've got. That's the one we're going to be discussing today. The Tim Burton one is just odd. What do you know about the Tim Burton one? Because the things I found out this morning, I'm just like, why would you do that? thing is, this is what I know, but you can fact check me. List, um, list it. And I'll... Harvey Dent. I'm pretty sure he was going to become Two-Face. That was part of the plan. Yep. With Billy uh, D returning. Obviously. Um, I know Robin was going to be in it. Yeah, played by... I don't know who's going to be played by. Marlon Wayans. Who's Marlon Wayans? He's a comedian. You'd know him if you Googled him. Oh. He's, do you know the guy with the afro in the scary movie films? I think I do. Marlon Wayans. Wayans. Wait, Wayans is Wayne. Uh, that's some... Oh, I see. Um, 
at the time he could have worked. Are you sure? Because the scary movie films weren't long after. I mean, he's not the best of actors from what I've seen him in. He might have been good in it, but I, I, I he can't. Was, he was ro- he was Robin anyway, and he was actually yeah. it was so he. It's not even you know, like it's not even a case of he could have been. He was literally paid already because he was Robin and he had a costume and everything. He was paid, so he still has. He he's said this a few times. And there was a quite there was an interview with him not long ago where he said, "I've got photos of me in the Robin outfit." And I still had that, you know, I had the money because they paid me to say, here's what you get up front. And then they kind of paid him to say, we've terminated your contract, so we'll just pay you what we would have paid you. Kind of thing. Dude got paid for nothing. Basically, yeah, he got the best deal. That's a cushy (laughs) job. Just try on this suit. We'll pay you. That's about it, really. But uh, the thing is, I haven't seen him in anything great and I've only ever seen him in terrible stuff. So I'm leaning towards it probably wouldn't have worked as him as Robin. But he may have been good. He might not have been. It's that kind of thing. Because I never saw mm. him play the character. I can't say for certain if he was going to be bad. But how old was he at the time? Because my one of my problems with Chris O'Donnell as Robin is he's about 30. That's how he looks. No, he doesn't. He looks like 25. But it's like for a, ro- young, for a young Dick Grayson Robin, why is everyone so old? Yeah. It's a very valid point. I, 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 that's a. So if if um. He were he was going to be. He would have old. been twenty twenty three at the time. That's old. That's too old. It's probably would have looked that age. And I, I don't think that would have worked. Probably roughly the same age as whatever Chris his name O'Donnell. is who plays Chris O'Donnell. That's it. Who plays him in this. It's just ah. Uh, so anyway, there's that's Robin. That's, that's what you know about Robin. What else do you know about the Tim Burton one? No, that's that's about it from the top that's of my it. brain. Okay, Literally. well, here's some more here's some more information about what would have happened. So um, Keaton would have returned, obviously. Yes, I, I knew that. But but it but I'm saying that because it wasn't a 100 deal. He said he would after after Batman Returns. He said I will only return to play Batman if the script is good enough. It's not a it's not a done deal that I will be back. So yeah, Michael Keaton would have been back. Marlon Wayans would have been Robin, as we've said. Billy D would have returned to play Harvey Dent. I would have. Um, wa- I would have wanted to see that though. I, I and actually, have... I saw because when I was I was doing this research this morning, um, I was actually because I said in the Batman '89 episode, I'm not sure if it would have worked him as Two Face. But then there was an interview with that was included in this video I watched with uh, Billy D, and he was saying what he based his portrayal of. Harvey Dent on. He said there was a real life politician. I don't know what his name was, but he was a politician, um, evangelical pastor, preacher, and also a playboy kind of thing. So he's like this, this real life person. There's these three things that none of them went together. And he said he really based his portrayal on that. So I think it would have been a two face who's not all crazy and wild. We'd have been quite kind of smooth, kind of interesting. And I'm actually thinking, you know what? I'd actually quite like to see that now. So I've been seeing that. I would have really liked to see Billy D to return. Mm. Um, but the Riddler was also going to be in it. Okay. Do you know who by who? I mean, somebody played by somebody I absolutely love. Assume I like, just with all of these, assume I don't know who it is and just throw it at me. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm just building it up because okay. I'm saying this, this person I absolutely I adore with all my being. He is in one of my favorite films of all time. Do I want him as the Riddler? Absolutely not. Robin Williams. Oh, no, I, I, I love Robin Williams. He's honestly one of my favorite actors of all time. But Riddler, that's. It's I going mean, down the Jim Carrey route, isn't it? It's 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 they've seen the Riddler and they've gone. Let's make him comedy because although Robin Williams can do incredible pathos and that kind of dark, real character, he can really he can play that wonderfully. But it does feel like they've picked two comedians here. Was it going to go down the same kind of route? If so, that's not the Riddler. No, I, I think he may have been a better portrayal than Jim Carrey, but it also could have been just as bad. Yes, and it could have really tarnished how we think of Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, could have really um, hurt his career, actually. Yeah, and so I'm actually really glad that didn't happen, Tim Burton. It's, and, it feels um, like everything's going down the route, like Batman Forever did, 
but in a different kind of way in the sense of big names let's get them involved kind of thing because Robin yeah. Williams is a huge name so it's kind of like why are you bringing him in and then mm, yeah okay what's and next then, um well, we've also got another villain in, so you'd have had Two Face, the Riddler, and another villain. You've really got to um, oversaturate your superhero yes. films. It's one of it's one of my favorite things when they just shove too many villains in, mm-hmm. and it often elevates the film. I think because there's just not enough time to focus on Batman as a character. Yes, and that villain would have been the Scarecrow, played okay. by played by Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif. Let me give him a Google. He was famous for being the voice of Chucky. I, mean, I know his face. I'm just going to Google what else I know him from. But uh... I mean, I've Googled his face. And a scarecrow, depending if he played that little bit tamer, perhaps, or if he, if he went a bit crazy, I'm not opposed to that idea of scarecrow. Oh, he's... I know why I know him. He plays the sheriff in the Halloween remakes. That's why I know him. So he's somebody who's known for horror then. Okay. Okay, okay. That's why I know him. So that... So I, far, honestly... he's... So far, he's the only good thing about this. Yeah. <laughs> about the Tim Burton version. And Billy D, but that's yes. that was already but even, a thing. even that, but even that we kind of not sure that, if it would that could have gone another, yeah. That could go really well, but also it could go the other way, as you've said. But as no, said, so yeah. far it is Scarecrow that, seems the strongest. And the, there's two final things. One thing, uh they were gonna redesign the Batmobile into potentially the worst design I've ever seen in my life. It was going to be a scissor shape, so it would have been, so it would have been like that. Yeah. And it basically the only way I can describe it is that it looks like a lobster. So they've got the perfect version of the Batmobile, the perfect yes. iteration, and they've decided to ruin that. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this, I've just found an image of the Batmobile you're describing, and is it described by um, designed by H.R. Geiger? Yes. I love his work in Alien, but this is probably the worst design for Batmobile I've ever seen on the planet. Yes. Yes. It's disgusting. Yes. And that's not horrendous. what Batman is. Batman, no. I've never I've never looked at Batman and thought, let's go with disgusting. Because he's not. He's cool, scary. But there's never bleh, there's never that element. No. That is the worst design for the car I've ever seen. I'll put an image somewhere here so you guys can see you it can as well see it if you're watching yes so that's again another thing from the tim burton one i know i know the concept drawing i've just noticed actually says joel schumacher on it so i reckon he probably designed it for tim burton and then when tim burton was let go he's then carried it over and then even joel schumacher's gone no <laughs> well i'm glad we got the joel schumacher about meal if that was the other choice yes and oh. then the, fin- the final thing that they've said about it is that it was going to be essentially very much focusing on batman's origin and it was going to be a kind of it was basically going to be batman begins but as the final the final one in the trilogy which is an odd thing to do strange that's what what, that was that was the original plan and a lot of that you can kind of see carried over into the joel schumacher one where there's a lot of looking at the past when he's falling down the hole all of that that was all carried over from Tim Burton one because actually the Joel Schumacher cut saying that one the difference between that and this one is that it was extremely dark it was more in the vein of Batman Returns the, Joel, the original Joel Schumacher one but again Warner Brothers went no it was going to have it was still going to be the same villains as we know but it was also going to be Man Bat in there who was but he wasn't going to be like Man Bat as an actual villain working with the other villains or something it was, was going to be in the cave wasn't it Yes, and basically living in Bruce Wayne's head. It was going to be he's facing part of the de- part of his demons have taken the form of Man Bat within his own head. So there were going to be sequences of like just big blank em- empty spaces with Batman fighting Man Bat, which is um, which is Man Bat essentially, but he's actually just a representation of Batman fighting his demons because Joel Schumacher was supposed to delve really far into his um, psyche psyche and trauma and again um warner brothers said the infamous it's a bit dark isn't it and they kind of and joel schumacher was like well it would be if your parents were murdered in front of you do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> and they went i'm not gonna sell many toys is it honestly yeah, to strip it back 
I have actually heard all of this before. It's weird. It's like I've repressed all of the repressedness. I've forgotten the new stuff because I've tried to repress the original. Yes. <laughs> That's not terrible, honestly. I like, like that idea. Like, as an idea of him fight, of like maybe him fighting what he doesn't want Batman to become or the demons that kind of Batman feels. Maybe he's just fighting Batman as a sense, like Bruce Wayne Batman fighting, and eventually you get the middle ground. That's fascinating, actually. And from pr- over what we got, I'd have that. I'd beg for that any day because it is. I love Batman when it's. I obviously we've said Batman the series is the, is the probably my favorite version of Batman. I think it's bang on, but um, but it really balances between being light and dark without falling into either side. So that's my favorite, but. I do really like it when Batman really does delve into that dark side. Not as its kind of main, this is, you know, but it's always nice to see it kind of dive into that darker side, like with The Dark Knight Returns, where he comes back and he's moodier than ever. But to kind of delve into the psyche of Batman, that would be absolutely fascinating, actually, kind of seeing that interpretation, really. And I think... From what I saw in Batman Forever, I, I'd say my favorite my favorite moments from it were actually those flashback scenes, which were carried over from they were you know not cut from the Joel Schumacher cut, which apparently exists. It's not like the uh, it's not like the Snyder cut where they went it exists, but we've got to shoot fifty percent of it. Apparently, the Sh- Joel Schumacher cut exists because the writer i think it was i can't, I can't think what his name was now the akiva goldsman or something whatever his name was something like that i think it actually is akiva goldsman i think i've even said it's something like that it's exactly that i'm pretty sure but he said that last year he was shown a preview cut of the schumacher cut presumably meaning dc and warner brothers are gearing up to release it in the wake of joe schumacher's death kind of like a uh, tribute to him and he said he said the quote he said was a renaissance is coming for batman forever where he said if when you see the schumacher cut which is very dark you will get more you'll get more of an appreciation for it so with that in mind i then watched it was like ah let's let's have a let's bear this in mind and then was like no i disagree with you but uh (laughs) i don't think this new version would give me a um renaissance for the original batman forever it would give me what zack snyder's justice league gave me and showing me this is the better version fuck the other one that's what's going to yeah. happen but it's it'd be fascinating to see it, and i really do want warner brothers to release that and i and i'm very grateful for the snyder cut being a thing because it seems like they're more in line with giving the creative people like the director and the actual main mm. group of people there like free reign well not free reign but much closer to what they envisioned yes closer to their original vision that's it exactly and it'd be fascinating to see joel schumacher's version because as i've said the favorite my favorite bit were those flashback scenes because it felt like the most it felt like joel schumacher there did understand batman as a character honestly during during those flashback scenes seeing young bruce wayne and seeing the wake, which we don't often see. We don't see his, like Bruce Wayne at the funeral or that kind of thing often. But seeing kind of Bruce actually at that age trying to deal with, deal with that trauma and Bruce even older still dealing with that trauma is a very fascinating element. And that was the best mm-hmm. bit about Because I, I really enjoy, I did enjoy those bits, to be fair. Especially when, you know, when he looked at the Rorschach, right? The Rorschach. When he looks at that, I thought, this is a really nice thing that he's gone. Why have you got a picture of a bat? And she's gone. I don't. That's just what you see. I really like that bit. I mean, it quite clearly is a bat. <laughs> There's yes, that. I think most people most people would see a bat, but uh, yeah. but no, if it, like as a Rorschach, it's very very interesting that because it's like with Tim Burton's Batman, I'd say Batman's psyche there isn't quite right because he is very much just Bruce Wayne wearing the bat suit, whereas in Batman Forever, it does feel very much like Batman and Bruce Wayne are kind of two sides of the same coin, one in the same. And they're fighting constantly in his brain. And he's always thinking about that, even when he's pretending to be Bruce Wayne. And that is probably the strongest element of this film for me by far, the actual Batman interior development, because I'm going to say his 
some of his stuff he does is a bit terrible. For yes. example, saying, is it the car? Chicks love the car. What? So, but it's like, the final thing I have about the Schumacher cut, the only difference is that it's like just some things, well, like even the rest of the film would mostly structure the same, but there's just some things even with like the villains, I think. It's just quite nice to have a bit, these darker moments in there for them too. Because like the original, instead of just Two-Face just showing up as he does in this film, he's just kind of just there, isn't he already? He's just straight we away. see like his origin on a TV screen for 30 seconds most. Yeah. Well, that, I don't know how much of that would stay the same, but when we first see it, instead of just going, here's Two-Face, he, there was going to be a whole sequence of him breaking out of Arkham. And apparently that was going to be like really dark. He's going to be like really murdering, gruesomely murdering people as he breaks out of Arkham. So already I'm like going, okay, so now you're making Two-Face feel like an actual threat. Okay, fair enough. Rather than just being like, hey, here's Two-Face, that kind of campy villain who never felt like a real threat at all. He was just there. Yeah. But that scene would have. And there's another scene with the Riddler, which would have made him feel like a threat. And it's in the whole thing where they're breaking into Wayne Manor. Instead of the goons just bumping into Bruce Wayne as they do in that, it was originally going to be Bruce time and Riddler was going to come in, blow things up, and then use his, you know, question mark gun staff thing. And he was going to really beat Batman down to end. And it was just going to, because it was Batman at his most, you know, Bruce Wayne is not expecting this attack. And it's just going to be, you know, and what's the word? incessant attack on him and i thought that again makes the riddler feel like a threat rather mm. than just like putting these uh smoothie makers on people's tvs and then something happening after that <laughs> yeah no, it'd be great to actually see the characters as more of a threat rather than these caricature versions mm. of their represent their characters they're trying to represent like every villain and every character is turned up to 11 in this film. And when I say 11, I mean like 172. Because they're all wired like they're going to explode. And I don't get it. Like the Riddler's wound so tight, he's basically the Joker but wearing green. And Two-Face is wound so tight that I don't really know what's happening with you, dude. Because I know you've got a split personality. But there's only ever seems to be one personality. And that's, I'm a bit loony. Hmm. I really despise both interpretations here with a violent passion. Two-Face is... And Two-Face as Harvey Dent is, is a very grounded Batman villain. He's, he's very much a circumstance of Gotham and being that just realistic bad... Like, he's, he's an extreme reaction to a realistic bad case. Split personality disorder. But in this film, it's not that. He's turned into this wild, wacky thing and then the riddler isn't this person whose ego gets the best of him and he's pushed to being the riddler because of kind of corporations and bosses and that kind of thing like he's always kind of treated badly and then he turns into the riddler because he's trying to show that he is smart and he is better so whenever batman gets the better of him he can't handle that because he has this kind of god complex weird kind of his arrogance is his weakness that kind of thing and if he is beaten he can't cope with that because he needs to be the smartest that's kind of the riddler kind of simple simplified i'm just simplifying the villains here but in this yes. film i give you game at the time i could write you an essay on what the villains are actually like but right now i'm just but in this film the riddler is just i want to be smarter but i'm going to also go really insane to the point where i'm a delirious giggling maniac which i don't understand for the riddler you're not the joker you're, you're just not he isn't Otherwise, no. Batman would have one character and that would be the Joker for all of the things. The Riddler is fundamentally a different character than the Joker. And it's very annoying, this. Very annoying. I mean, the only, the only good thing about the Riddler in this is the baseline idea for the plot being he wants to get more intelligent by stealing people's intelligence. I don't know how that works, but he wants to do that. And as a, as a concept for the Riddler kind of a weird version i can kind of see that maybe working if written very differently because it is very much he can't get the if if it were a long if it were a riddler that's been around for a while and he just hasn't been able to beat batman then he's turning to kind of he needs to cheat to become more intelligent and riddler cheating is very much a thing he does that i can i could get behind you know it's it, like that could maybe work this film decides yeah. to 
make that some sort of obsession where him getting smarter is just because he wants to be smarter. There's no reason, really, if I think about it, for why the Riddler wants to be smarter, other than Bruce Wayne said no because he was being a bit of a, you know, he was just being, and Bruce was like, all right, I'll give you a fair chance. Then he was like, I think I deserve it. Then Bruce was like, all right, then no. And then he had a hissy fit. Basically, it's the Riddler having a hissy fit with this whole film. Yeah. And that 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 whole plot I wrote, it's very comic booky because it's like kind of doesn't make sense. And I thought, you know, I can let that go. But then after a while, I kind of thought, why is this plot even happening? Like, what are your motives behind this? What is actually the effect of this? Because you, you, most we got was some people say it turns you into zombies, but that's what they said when they first launched TV. And I was like, all right, is that the end of the threat here? What's, what are we, what's Batman actually dealing with? And that plot wasn't even introduced until I checked one hour and one minute. So for one hour and one minute, we're just treading water and we haven't actually got anything for the detective to be detecting. It's just like two faces out there. It's a problem. Like, and it's like, that's... like, and it's like, but I'm sure there's plenty of other villains out there right now. You know, there's not just one villain in Gotham at any time, is there? So why is that's not just our thread? You don't open an episode of Batman the Only Series going, I've got villains. It's like, yeah, I know. Go deal with it then. It's like, you know, that's not that's not a plot for an hour. So it's not that even that nonsensical smoothie maker, as I kept calling, because I thought you look like, you know, a blender, or rather. It is that's literally like. a blender. They've obviously, blend. the art department have gone blender, wings. Hmm. And I thought, well, what is, what are we achieving by this? What are you trying to do? Even when he's first with the guy, the really camp guy at uh, Wayne Enterprises, and he sits and the fish are coming out of the TV, I was like, what are we achieving here? Like, what? I'm getting more intelligent. Why? Why? What do you want? Like for no Riddler, sense of wanting. No, there isn't. There isn't. For Riddler as a fundamental character, if he did have the background of being, of fighting Batman for ages and not being able to beat him, then wanted to get more intelligent. That makes then, sense. Then the story can have something. But for a brand new character who we have no idea what he wants, so why the hell he's even working at Wayne Enterprises? Bruce isn't dumb enough to hire someone like that. Nothing works. It's very much like the film's just gone, here are your characters. They're the characters you know. Have fun with them. And that's it. Mm. If you can't tell listeners and watchers, we're not a fan of Batman Forever to the point where no. we just... Well, ah. But it's surprising, though, because it's like, you know, you could say, well, nobody's a fan of Batman Forever. But it's like, I really thought I would be. I said to you yesterday, because you watched it last night, I watched it this morning well i watched half I, last night half this morning yeah because you couldn't take it and no. then uh, i was saying to you i'm probably gonna have a lot of fun with it i really expected to enjoy this because there are films that are bad from my childhood that i like you're gonna say like what aiden and i'm gonna go i can't think of any right now but i suppose the the best example i could probably think of is like ghostbusters 2 for example i see nothing wrong with ghostbusters 2 but not many people are a fan of it you know that kind of I, thing. I, I'm, I'm fully with you there. There are things from my childhood which I'm like, it's fundamentally bad, but I really enjoy it because it's from my childhood. Mm. So I expected this to have the same effect. Maybe it's the fact I've not seen it in, I reckon, 12 years. I reckon I probably, since I've seen this, maybe probably maybe the 10, same. Maybe yeah. 10 at least. I've, 10 at I've least, maximum about 13. Somewhere, yeah. There. So maybe it's the fact I've not seen it for a while, whereas other things I've seen more regularly, I can have more of an attachment to it. But even then, I, this is something I loved as a child. I know I preferred this to 1989 for quite a while. I know for a fact I did. And yet, why have I seen this again now and gone, well, it's not worked on me? Because, you know, I think. It's just disappointing. I, 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 it's, I, I know I get exactly what you mean. It's anger because it's done these dumb things and now you're seeing them for how dumb they are, but it's disappointment for the child version of you, which really enjoyed it. It's like, ah, oh, what? Well, it's just, it is, it's, it's, 
it makes you feel a bit flat, honestly. It's just a bit sad. Mm. And it's like, for example, like one thing, like one, there's one thing, there's one scene I can really point to that I thought I'd watch this and go, aha, and have a bit of a connection to it. But I instead was watching it going, what the hell are you doing? And it's the bit where Robin's doing laundry and he's spinning all the things around and flipping them around. Now, I thought I was going to have a connection to that because I know for a fact that whenever I did laundry with my dad, every single time he used to spin things and throw them out and go, hey, I'm like, Robin, every single time. It's like, yeah, I get it. Woo! Every, every time. So I thought when I see that, I'll go, oh, that's like my dad. But instead I was like, what are you, why is that necessary with all the quick cut edits? Go, I was like, what, are you, what is this all about? And the bit as well, when he goes right, I'm going to get through that door. And spends about five minutes leaping <laughs> from things around. I thought that door would have closed about 15 times by the time you've got there. Right. Both of those scenes are just, it, I, I remember that laundry scene, but then when I watched it, I was like, Right, the music's quite good, but what the hell is wrong with the kid? How is this helping? Why, why aren't you wearing any shoes or anything? He's just barefooted doing his laundry. Yeah, I just I didn't understand any of that, and he, it was all wet afterwards. And he there was a said, washing line in the house as well. And so then he flicked it off. Anything. And then you said something to Alfred, and Alfred just looked at him in disgust. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel, Alfred. I'm with you there. What the hell is wrong with him? And then when he goes to the door. He's, I remember when I, okay, I remember that in my brain, skippity hop, he's in the room, quite slick, yeah, in this skippity hop, bit of a swing onto the curtain, which is not near the door, it's opposite from the door, on the other side of the room, yeah. hops down, does a little skim, falls over, well done, Mr. Acrobat, and smashes his way through. And manage, when he's sliding, manages to turn a corner as well. <laughs> Because it's the door, yeah. corridor, uh, vase shelf, I guess Super you could say. Yeah. It's like it's a corridor. That it isn't door that there. So he went in and then went, and went the other way. Like, how drifted. is that possible? I mean, is that what acrobats can do? I mean, neither of us are acrobats. So maybe there is something you learn when you slide. You put your hand down and you can really whip around a corner. Mm. What? I just... Um, and then he rolls into the Batcave, and then the Batcave has an intruder alert, which its response is, mind you, showing off all of the stuff in the Batcave. Intruder alert. Yeah. <laughs> all the lights come on. And... Intruder alert. And what, was it, what was it saying as well? Because it wasn't saying alert. I'm pretty sure it was. Because if it was, it was a very weird pronunciation. It was intruder. Because every time I, I heard it, I was... The, what I was hearing was intruder bollocks. Intruder <laughs> bollocks. Intruder, and I was like, what are you saying? Because then when Riddler comes in later and he's going, ah, intruder alert. I went, yeah, but that's not what that's saying. It, it I heard intruder, it intruder alert. It was either intruder bollocks or intruder pollock. It was something. I thought you either you're talking about fish or something else. I thought, I don't know what you're talking about here. But it wasn't, it wasn't saying alert. No, it's, it, I just, uh, I just don't understand. And Alfred as well. What's Alfred doing? You know, I've always said Alfred is a bad influence. And even though I like Alfred, you know, I always say he's failed Batman. I've said this every single week. But it never is that more clear than this episode when Alfred's just an arsehole. And it's like Batman says to him at one point, Alfred, why are you letting Robin do this? And he kind of just basically goes, because I am, essentially. <laughs> but that's basically what he says. It's like, Alfred, you should be discouraging this. You've seen the destructive path it's taken Batman on throughout his life. So you should say, I don't want this to happen to somebody else. And instead he just goes, do you want an outfit? And then later on, he has a, a nice rubber suit, which implies that Alfred quite early on into Dick Grayson being adopted went, I'm going to get a suit made up Probably for him. the first time he saw the kid come back with Bruce, he was like, I've seen this happen. And he was like, yeah. yeah. Second one. Like, the average batting average for turning orphans into superheroes is two out of two so far. No, it's, his, it's not actually anything to do with Bruce Wayne. It's actually no. Alfred orchestrating the whole situation. Bruce Wayne in week, this film. The other week, I said, Bruce Wayne groomed Dick Grayson. And I said, no. that's wrong. Alfred Pennyworth groomed Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but with Robin... Because I just want to, well, because we're talking about Robin a lot here, but I just want to mention that damn circus scene, as, as you've mentioned a little bit now. 
you said that it being Two-Face instead of Tony Zuko, in the context of the film, I can let that slide because otherwise it'd be a bit difficult to kind of force Tony Zuko into this plot, which is already saturated with characters. But the whole circus scene is really annoying. I'll read you some of my, my um, notes here. The circus is very interesting. Fuck me, the Graysons are old. And why are there four? And why is there a net? Finally, the net goes away. And Robin is so old. Oh, for God's sake. Why is Two-Face and not Tony Zuko? Bruce shouting, I'm Batman, is kind of noble, but basically pointless. But again, it was him. It's a common theme that's carried on since Batman 89, actually, is that this Batman's kind of fast and loose with his uh, with his identity. You know, well, not really, because in Batman 89, it takes him a lot to pluck up the courage to say, I'm Batman. But then eventually, it's just like, yeah, I'm Batman. It's actually probably more in line with a... Uh, Ben Affleck actually yeah. he was just showing up just showing up to everybody going hey I'm Batman hey I'm Batman you know <laughs> I'm Batman and this one is kind of just like the way he just stood up immediately he was he didn't even take in any sort of emotional torture he just immediately stood up and just went I'm Batman yeah. oh nobody can hear me anyway I'm gonna leap around now like I'm Batman it, I do <laughs> find it kind of noble that he was willing to kind of sacrifice bat, being Batman to save everyone and that I do feel is very Batman-y maybe but I but think maybe if he'd have focused on I think because, maybe like because, maybe, yeah. I think it's maybe just because my vision of Batman and Spider-Man are, are Spider-Man are identical in the sense that they should never ever say the words "I'm" followed by the superhero name. I just don't think they should ever really. Yeah, no, I get identity. that. I get that. I, I, I think it's kind of noble. If he'd had have given away his identity, I'd have been like, that was a bit dumb. But I think it's kind of noble that he tried at the very least. But. Yeah, no, if he'd have decided instead of shouting I'm Batman and instead went to get his suit and then come back, he would have saved a fair few minutes and probably saved everyone's life. Everyone's lives instead of just kind of, I'm Batman. Well, time to run around in this suit. Hopefully Two-Face doesn't see me. We're right here. But he's blind as a bat for some reason. Just uh, That whole circus scene started off with being, oh, the circus. I like Robin. Let's see how this goes. And then it just lost me with all my notes there. I don't know why there are four Robins. Dick Grayson has never had a brother. In the most recent comics, there is um, like they're they're exploring the idea that perhaps um, Dick Grayson has a, has a sister, so that is very interesting. But before literally last month, in continuity, Robin has never had any had siblings sibling. ever. Like, that's just not the case. And he's not 35 and his parents are doing... Uh, like, his parents were over 50 doing acrobatic stuff. And I'm like, that's got to be bad for your joints. Just yeah. that entire... The entire Flying Grayson section really annoyed me. I, I And if you listen to the Batman the Animated Series episode, I really like Robin. I really do. So this really annoyed me, actually, because it's like, ah, what have you done? You've, you've completely... I can, I can firmly say there's only one Robin moment I liked in this entire film. And you know what I'm exactly what I'm going to say is when he went, holy rusted floor, Batman. And then Batman goes, what? And he goes, the rusted floor, it's got holes in it. I really liked that bit because I thought, okay, that's that's very witty writing, that is. I, other than that, no. I like that bit. But also, if you actually listen carefully, Batman doesn't go what? He goes, huh? Like we're in the most guttural, unintellectual voice I've ever heard. Huh? And then um, Robin says what it is. And Bruce just says, huh? He doesn't say any words. There's no words there. Batman just makes noises. <laughs> well, it's... I think I think that can take me now on to uh, Val Kilmer as, you know, his acting in this. You know, I was saying to you the other day, I was reading an article about Val Kilmer because there's a documentary coming out about him soon about how essentially he's just a maniac. And I thought that's actually quite, I thought it was quite amusing. But apparently it's just like, and nobody likes, liked working with him. And they're saying thing on, especially on Top Gun, nobody wanted to be left in a room with him because he mm-hmm. was just mental. And you know, you can see. I think there, there are a few. When with that in mind, there are a few scenes in this film when I could see some people kind of looked slightly uncomfortable around him. And I thought, <laughs> like a few times when he was with Nicole Kidman, I thought, I mean, Nicole Kidman was married to Tom Cruise, so she should be known for being around crazy people. But even she looked in some scenes was a bit like and i thought okay you, you, when you're looking out for it you can tell 
for one thing I can say about, you know, when we did Batman 89 as an episode and uh, I was saying how charming he is as Bruce Wayne, he's like really smooth and slightly awkward, but he's kind of really likable. This is perhaps the most wooden Bruce Wayne I've seen in my life. I'm Bruce Wayne. Nice to meet you. Is that it? Okay, sure. <laughs> it, I, I honestly, I, he was a bad casting choice for Batman and Bruce Wayne. There's no charisma. I don't think his Batman's too. I don't think his Batman's too bad. I don't think his, his Batman's barring, not great either, though, is he? Barring like things that has obviously clearly been directed to him, like when he turns and kind of goes, <gasps> I thought that's clearly not your decision. That was a. Can you turn and give me a shocked look, please? But um, there are a few times, like the one thing I preferred over. Batman 89, for example, is I prefer his fight scenes to Keaton's because I thought he was a slightly better fighter and because also the thing out, out of his control, they've clearly refined the neck. So instead of going, huh, 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 all the time. All the it big, is instead, still quite. They, it's still quite restricted and he can't quite fully turn his head. But when he was having to, when he was looking to the side, it was easier for him to move rather than Keaton doing his whole, my entire body needs to move if I need to want to look over there. Which seems there terrible were... for a fighter to have a restricted neck because that's an important part of fighting, being able to see where the hell you're I can only fight, unless you're, in, unless you're in front of me, I can't see you and I can't I'm, get I'm you. just wearing blinders. So I preferred, I did, there were, there was a fight scene, I can't think where it was in, this, in the film, but it was in a, there was in a corridor and he was fighting two faces goons. And it was quite dark and his cape was flapping around a lot. And I thought, you know what? This actually looks really cool. And I thought, this is actually, I prefer this over Keaton. And the bit even later on when it's um, the awful scenery smashes through the ceiling and Riddler's like, he got a better entrance than you. There's a bit there when he's, when he's fighting those people on that dance I like floor. That scene. Oh, it's awful though, isn't I've, it? When he's, fight, when he's fighting no, people yeah. on that dance floor, I thought, you know what? That, that fight is quite good there. So I thought, if anything, I prefer over Keaton. Kilmer's the better fighter. It's like when he's in the Batman suit, I'm like, you know what? I'm relatively fine with you. As soon as you're out of the Batman suit, I'm like, get that man back in the Batman suit because he can't do anything. <laughs> okay. I do feel like when Val Kilmer's being Batman, he is better than when he's being Bruce Wayne a hundredfold. Like, not, I wouldn't just say when he's in the suit, when he's like being Batman, like when he's in the Batcave, when he's not trying to put on the Bruce Wayne attempt at charisma, he's better. And I will say his fightings are much better than the Tim Burton ones because they are just, they're probably better choreographed. The suit's probably better. There's just a lot of layers there and they are just better. And I do feel like there is a more of kind of Batman doing Batman stuff rather. Like in the suit, yes, okay, he's, he's quite good. And I will say that entrance in the casino. I... I quite like that. I've always had a soft spot for that bit because it's, I like, I've always liked the, um, I don't know. It's, it's always kind of stuck in my brain that, that line from Jim Carrey where he says, your entrance was, your entrance was good. His was better. The key difference, showmanship. I, I've always, I've always really liked that bit because I feel like Batman has got to have great entrances and coming through a skylight is a great entrance for Batman. So that bit, the entrance and the line and then the beating them up. I really do like that bit. It's probably one of my favorite bits from the film. That I'd be, if he came in and just if he came in and beat people up, go for it. I'm not a fan of things where things happen and then somebody points out what just happened. It's like somebody again. Mm. It's like somebody tells a joke and then you go right. So I'm just going to explain this joke to you. It's be like yeah, I you've kind of ruined it now. If it was just smashed through, drop down, beat people up, I'd be like this is still cheesy as anything. But you know what? Let's go for it. It's when they when he points out that's an entrance. It's like yes. But, but then again, it's probably just because every single time Jim Carrey spoke in this film, I wanted to slap him. So again... It's probably because every time Jim Carrey spoke in this film, they kept it in the edit. It's also what that feels like. They paid all the money every for Jim Carrey. Line, yeah. So they just kept every line in. Because I feel like, doesn't he... I feel like he gets more screen time than basically any other person in this film. Probably. Probably. But Batman. As I've said, the writing for Batman's kind of ideals are quite good in this film. I think they're good, and I think the, they've got the no-killing rule down pat. Well done. And I think that's that's very good, his ideals and that. Whoever wrote his ideals, you, you at least understand the character. The rest is terrible. But for Batman himself, he's, apart from the ideals, he's not great. He's not terrible. He's just a bit... Mm. 
Bruce Wayne is terrible because he's wooden as all hell. And he's I mean, not yeah, when I said when I said he's when I said he's good in the Batman suit, I meant for the as a, compared to the rest of the film. If I had to rank my you know top five Batman, he wouldn't be in it. Of course. Not. <laughs> but uh, I'm saying I said top five, not top ten, because I don't think I even know ten Batman. But top five, he wouldn't be in it. But uh, I I just, he's not a good Batman by any no, chance. But uh, I just don't have much to, imagination. But I don't have loads to say about Val Kimmer's Batman because it isn't really it's there it's not outstanding it's not absolutely terrible it's just it's sub par like it's below average kind of quality but it's like you were fine on screen but compared to everything else that was on the screen i could at least sit there and not stab myself while watching you hmm. like just i would fight to compare him to anybody the person i'd compare him to is george lazenby's james bond and the reason i'd say that is because he became in between sean connery and roger moore two incredible james bonds and then there's this one guy who just did one film in the middle which is an amazing film actually but that bond you kind of just forget he was actually there you kind of go oh yeah forgot he played bond and i'd compare him to george lazenby because come from michael keaton who is by all intents and purposes a great batman mm -hmm. and then you're on the other side of that you've got george clooney who is by all intents and purposes the worst batman we've ever known so there's these massive personalities essentially that kind of dominate and in the middle you've got this one guy with one film called val kilmer and you kind of go oh was he the guy from top gun i forgot he played batman and he kind of has that same effect when he's just yeah. there and he's kind of, he does a decent job, unlike on Her Majesty's Secret Service. The film isn't amazing. The film, I don't know, this film is atrocious. But you kind of go, he wasn't bad, was he? And that's where the sentence ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he wasn't bad. And I think the crux of this version of Batman for me, like my favorite, like probably the, the strongest, let's say section of this film is i'd say from the very beginning up until the kind of the end of the vault scene with kind of the helicopter chase that whole oh, that bloody annoying guy it's, it's boiling, boiling acid. acid shut up i mean that's would you my know, hearing aid would you would you have known it was boiling acid if he weren't shouting it's boiling acid every other second aiden no, you wouldn't. And I just no, yes, don't, don't his glasses, dispute that. Because his, his glasses <laughs> fell into it and fizzled away. I can work out his acid. <laughs> but I do quite. I did quite like that kind of opening bit because it did feel kind of very. Until comic he booky. swings the bloody vault back into the hole, and I thought, oh, for God's sake! Yeah. That, was, that was the first time in this film I was like, okay, I can see where this is going now. After I'd had so much hope for it, when that bloody thing. So it was out of control. It swung off a helicopter and then managed to go whoop, back into where. And the it guy came didn't from. manage to get ripped off in the jeep. Like, no. And like, I, when I saw that, I thought, I, I know where it, I know what's happening now. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that scene, that just kind of the the the, real, the little fight scene when he comes up the elevator, which is probably a really a Batman moment I do quite like, like when they all shoot the lift and then he jumps out from because he was holding probably. Do you know in the lift where it's got that? bit at the top probably holding up there jumped out then beat them up and that fight scene was quite cool especially that shot from above where he does the um roundhouse and it's got the cape flowing quite a good shot that and i did like i think that was probably the strongest bit of the film from the beginning up until the end of that do you know what my scene. favorite shot of batman was in this what it was a very metal bit when he's running out of the fire oh yeah yes silhouette of batman in a dutch angle running out of fire and i was like yeah <laughs> um, that I I will say yeah no it's, it's literally in the intro for this podcast yeah no I <laughs> I, I was I just forgot about that bit but no that bit was very cool but um no and that just that opening bit with kind of Batman and that fight scene which was quite good not amazing as fight scenes go because nowadays we've got John Wick which is amazing but it was like for the time quite good fight scene and um but that's it just seemed like kind of a comic booky style thing. Like, he just goes, saves the day. It felt like an episode from, like, a TV show, that first section. And I quite enjoyed it. As soon as, really, Jim Carrey got introduced, 
It all falls apart. Yeah, but I don't think that's 100% on Jim Carrey. That's that's on the entire no, thing. It is. The writing. It no, it, no, it's on the writing. <laughs> it's on him a hell of a lot, but it's also on kind of the acting for, like, top of the way Tommy Lee Jones portrayed Two Face. That's terrible. The whole thing, the whole film in every aspect takes a nosedive once Jim Carrey's introduced. It's like, not like he didn't cause the downside. He's a part of it because he's one of the elements that's terrible. But it's like, as soon as that moment happens, the rest of the film forgets itself. So that's where I just think it loses itself. But it does start off terribly by Alfred saying, should I pack your sandwich or something? And, Bruce, <laughs> and Batman says, I'll get drive through in his gruff Batman voice. I'll go drive through. I, um, I actually laughed like a lot at that line because it was so unexpected because i thought right we started off a batman film and the very, i actually laughed as soon as alfred spoke because the very first the very first line in this batman film is should i pack your sandwiches i immediately was like what the hell and then it followed up by i'll get drive through and i thought what is and i was laughing so much at that point and i thought you know what i'm gonna have fun with this film if it kept that yeah, level, and then it's boiling ass. And I thought, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enjoy this film. Am I? If it had kept it that level of kind quickly. of self, not self-effacing humor, but like it knew itself kind of humor, like that sandwiches joke. That feels like kind of the characters know themselves. That's why, that's why I liked the uh, holy rusted floor Batman or whatever, holy rusted metal Batman. That's why I like that line. It's self-aware you know humor. That's you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. If it had kept more of that self-aware humor, I think it would have been better at trying to be lighter. Instead, it goes into this realm of humor where it very much feels like it can't do one or the other, I'd say, the overall film. Like, you've got the the dark... You've got this dark version that Joel Schumacher wanted, but then you've got this light version which the Warner Brothers execs wanted. But in the middle, you've got this clash here, so it's not really doing either very well. That's what, that's the thing. If you don't have a focused vision with anything in life, it's going to be conflicted. It's just how it is. But I think uh, it's, uh, you know, <coughs> ending it on Batman is probably a good place to stop, really, isn't it? Yeah. By saying, is this film as bad? Is this film as bad as you thought it would be? It's worse. Same. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, you know, I'm a typical film person who uses Letterboxd. Oh, don't come at me. But I use Letterbox, so I went on afterwards to rate this film, and my my rating was it was at three and a half stars, based on nostalgia from when I was logging as many films as I could remember that I'd seen. What's it out of on Red Letter? Is it out of five? Out of five, yeah. Okay, I was about to say because if three and a half, I'm like that's quite quite low. But no, three out of five. No, out, out of out of five, because when I was doing when I got my Letterbox account, I basically just logged every film that i could remember i'd seen with a rating of how i remembered it to be so that was based purely on nostalgia three okay. and a half stars after watching it i re-rated it one and a half stars mm, that's quite that's quite a dip there aiden mm. and that half star was for nostalgia so tr- really my true rating of this film is one star it's it's it is terrible it's it doesn't do anything really well like as i've said the only like strong element is the ideals that batman has but that's basically it like there are nice little bits like all oh, we use is some gadgets the cave entrance is quite nice the car is adequate like no, like there like are things i didn't like, i didn't like uh, it's it's adequate compared to what i know we could have got now like that's just what it is compared to the lobster yeah I yes it, i still hate it Oh yeah, it's 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 not a great car. It's very comic booky, but it's not a great car. I don't. It's way better than the Batman Robin one, which turns into just neon lights. It's just no right. It's just the they're just this film is. There's some good moments here and there. Okay, there are some nice things, but it's just not mind blowing every anywhere. At all. And is uh, if I had to say, do you think Batman Three was doomed either way, based on all three versions that we could have had? Would you say? Whatever, whatever we'd have got, we'd have had a bad film. Um, no, I'd say the Tim Burton one would have been bad. I'd say this one is bad, but I'd say the Joel Schumacher darker version would have been at least better than either of them. True, but that's it's only an hour of cut footage. Bear in mind, so there would still be a lot of this film remaining. Well, maybe it'd be different. Maybe it'd be a lot of this. Maybe it'd be like an hour of this film taken out, that bit slotted in. 
No, it was an hour extra. Yeah, maybe if he maybe if he it was just an hour it was just an just, hour extra. Just swap the bits. It was this film with a couple of things changed, but as a whole, it was just an extra hour that was cut. So would that extra hour dilute this, or would it just go? There's a good hour, but I think it. It, it kind of had that one. If we just had that one hour released, they'd be like, "Wow, this film's good, isn't it?" But uh, what it does is it kind of says to two. me, my my what my mind is doing is it's looking at this, saying, "Well, oh, there's this potential version of this film that is good," and I'm putting in all in my brain because I haven't seen this extra hour. I'm putting in all of these elements that would make it better. So I'm hopeful that it would be better. That's probably why I'm giving it a bit of a chance. But if I think realistically, I will agree. It's probably terrible. I think I think that hour would be good with him battling Man Bat and delving into his psyche. Other than that, yeah. I, I just think whatever we'd have got, whatever version we'd have got of this film, it was the Tim Burton version, who got an executive producer credit on this, did you notice? I noticed that, yeah. But do you know how many, how much influence he actually had on this film? Money. He had one conversation with Schumacher. What? Why that was, was it? That was it. But as a courtesy, Warner Brothers went, we'll credit you as a producer, even though he had no input. They probably credited him as a producer, not just because of the conversation, but because they knew the name would probably get people to watch it. Potentially, but but what I read was they they basically went, we'll give you producer credit and we'll let you meet with Schumacher. So we had one conversation with Schumacher, and then so, never touched never touched Batman again. It is it is it is just a yeah no I will you've you've brought me round there by making me see sense. This film probably I do think doomed. I just think this film was doomed. Yeah, it's all doomed. Like I just, of those three versions, it is doomed. If there was some sort of parallel universe where they made a completely different film by different people, and none of these guys were involved, then maybe we would have had something good. But even even Schumacher, it's a weird one because Schumacher made two of my favorite films of all time. So it's like, how did this go so wrong? Like Phantom of the Opera is camp as anything, but it's still really dark. Obviously, it's a musical, but it's like a really dark and this is camp but dark balanced really well which this film doesn't do and then you've got the lost boys which again is cheesy 80s horror but it's incredible and has lasted the test of time there's just this weird blip where he did two batman films which i love that he's actually publicly apologized for and (laughs) he said i'm so sorry for making those films but it's just an odd blip how he managed to in those two films lost boys was before this and phantom of the opera was after this where he manages to balance dark and camp really well. But for some reason here, the camp just went too far. Yeah. Was it because they were just trying to sell toys? Or was it because they were just trying to avoid Batman Returns? Who was knows? it just bad decisions? Who made the bad decisions? We never, honestly, I don't think we'll ever know, like, fundamentally what went wrong. All we know is something did go wrong, and we've been given this. So, um, what are we talking next week in episode six? Wink, wink. I could so ruin that entire little moment there, couldn't I? <laughs> no, next week we are watching the Batman 1966 movie. Yes. Oh, yes. It's something I've got a very fond memory of, but I don't remember much of it. It's something I did watch a lot as a kid, but I'm very excited to watch it again. Batman 1966. Yes, this is the uh, actually this is the TV series, so the film isn't actually included in this. Oh, but, great! Uh, uh, you know, it's all. I don't know where I got. I got distracted reading the special features. <laughs> no, it's um, you know, same universe, isn't it? I don't know where I'm going to be able to find the um. Well, I, I watched if, it. I don't think I, I have that, it, that DVD anymore. I watched it on. You know, I bought it on Prime last year in the first lockdown, so I know it's there, available there. Okay, good. With this fella, look. Because otherwise I'd have to dig out all my old DVDs and find it scratched to hell because when I was younger, I was the worst at looking after DVDs. I'm very excited for it to watch. I love it. I love it endlessly. Oh, look, there's King Tut. He's not in it. Hang on. Vincent Price, the Eggman. Egghead, whatever he's called. The thing that'll be very interesting is comparing it to this because I'm going to watch it and I'm going to just be singing its praises about how it gets the characters right. Well, I've always thought, and here's a little thing, I'll talk about this next week, but comparing it to the Riddler in this one. The Riddler in uh 66 is mental like he's proper like ha, proper crazy Hooray! 
And yet, I've never seen that and gone, what are you doing? As I have with Jim Carrey in this. So that's an interesting that he is being crazy and he's being completely mental. And at times, I remember I've seen I've seen bits of uh, 66 where I've thought, actually, you'd make quite a good, you'd probably make a better Joker than Cesar Romero actually would. But uh, interesting that I've never been opposed yeah. to it as I have with... What uh, I will post Jesus to you, Christ, Raiden. Look how many episodes are in series two. My word. What I will post to you, though, Aiden, is when you <laughs> go to watch this film, I know there'll be nostalgia. There will be with me as well. Try your best to... Just look at it a bit more critically. Yeah, I will do. I will do. Because I'm very, because I'm very interested. But you do know I am a. Uh, oh, you're a huge fan. A, I know. Very big fan of the 66. But I, no, but it'd just be very interesting to hear you. I'll, I'll just be watching if, it. No, what I want to hear is I want to hear you justify why you like it so much. That's what I want to hear from you. Yeah, I will. But I, I know because I'm doing this critically. I will. I'm saying this jokingly, but I will say, I will be watching it going, I love this film. <laughs> but I will also be going. But come on, come on now. I'm very excited for this. But no. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Yes. So join us for that next week. Yes. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>